Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this service, we hope to see you this Sunday at either 8.45 a.m. for our praise and worship service or 11 a.m. for our traditional service. Now, here's this week's message. I'm the director for FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Horry County, so I usually get to speak to the little kids and the pastor speaks to the big kids. Somehow today he asked me to speak to the big kids. I don't know why his voice seems good to me, but I'm glad to give him a break today and be able to spend time with you. I checked on the choir. Well, a couple of them stayed up here. Everybody else departed. Everybody else is going early for chicken, huh? I don't know where they're going. I checked on the choir before I stepped in here, and I kind of looked in the door and peeked around and saw some of them, and I saw one of them whisper to another, he's back. <laughs> so I'm the Terminator, and I'm back. No, I'm the Sermonator. How about that? If you brought a copy of God's Word, you want to turn to the last quarter section of your New Testament and find the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, go past 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and you'll find 1 Timothy. Put your finger on chapter 4, and you want to put your eyeball on verses 7 and 8. Today, I want to give you four keys to spiritual fitness. Today, we don't want to talk about physical fitness. I can tell some of us need that. I need that. Today, we want to talk together about spiritual fitness, and I want to give you four keys to spiritual fitness while we're back in school. How many of you are glad we're back in school? I see one, and she's a teacher, all right? She's glad to be back. One teacher in the house glad for school. Well, it amazes me how many new habits and new routines and new things we start to like when school is back in. I mean, we got new teachers, we got new coaches, we got new schedules, we got new lunch schedules, we got new traffic patterns. Everything is new. It's kind of like New Year's all over again when school starts. And I found out something about these habits, these routines that we fall into around New Year's, around new school year. Things about habits, two truths about habits. One is good habits are hard to start. I mean, we say, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna go to bed, early to bed, early to rise. We're gonna get up, eat breakfast together. Well, good habits are hard to start and bad habits are hard to break. Turn to the first one right and say, truth, truth, good habits are hard to start and bad habits are hard to break. I heard about a man who had a nagging secret. He just had to get off his chest, Rocky. And so he goes into his priest, walks into the confessional, and begins to confess. He admits he's been stealing building supplies from the lumberyard where he worked for a number of years. And so the priest whispered to him, how much lumber did you take? The man said, I took enough to build my home and enough to build homes for my sons. Then I took enough to build houses for my two daughters. And oh, before I was through, I took enough to build our cottage at the lake. The priest murmured, this is a very serious offense. I'm going to have to think of a far-reaching penance. Have you ever thought about doing a retreat? The man said, no, Father, but if you can get me the plans, I can get the lumber. <laughs> These new habits we want to start are hard to start, and bad habits are hard to break. 
Today, I want to give you some spiritual habits that will affect and change your life forever. They will shape your life for maturity. They will make you fit and strong spiritually. These are the keys for spiritual fitness. So if you're tired of crawling around a spiritual baby pen and you're ready to go on to spiritual growth and maturity as a true disciple of Jesus Christ, practice these four spiritual keys for fitness. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. The Phillips translation of the Bible has it. Take the time and the trouble. Two keys here. Circle the word time. Circle the word trouble. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Spiritual exercises will help you not only in this life, but in the next life too. How many of us are committed to physical fitness? There's a lot being said in America today about physical fitness. We want to eat right, sleep right, move right. It's Gold's Gym or Legend's Gym or Home Gym, and I want to stretch it and run it and yoga it, and it's 180 pounds of steel and sex appeal. What about, listen, 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 what about fitness for eternity? What about fitness that will last a lot longer than your body, your physical body? What about spiritual fitness? What about spiritual health that is off the charts and out of the ballpark compared to anything you've ever experienced before? What about a spiritual life that is so connected to Jesus that he, then he, that he is more real to you than your closest friend? What about a soul so lean and fit that it can hear God and respond to what he says? Today, I'm introducing you to the four heart habits of highly effective Christians. The four heart habits, see, it's all about cardio. Cardio, your spiritual heart. The four heart habits of highly effective Christians. Now, before I begin, just a word about habits. Write this down. Don't leave out the heart, all right? Don't leave out the heart because here's a truth for you. Here's a formula for failure. Habits minus heart equals headaches. Habits minus heart equals headaches. Do these habits, but don't leave out your heart. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, do these things, but don't leave out the rest. If you do these things, but leave out your heart, you'll become a legalistic jerk that nobody can stand to be around. And a zero in God's eyes. Turn the person on your right and say, be a hero, not a zero. Be a hero. Be spiritually fit. But you're not trying to earn God's favor. If you're in Christ, you're already in God's favor. <laughs> if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't get any more favored. You can't get any more blessed. 
You can't get any more in grace than you will be in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you're not trying to conduct these spiritual exercises so you can get more in Christ. You hear what I'm saying? You get it? Everybody say, got it. Good. You're not trying to work for God's favor. You're trying to work from God's favor. The Bible says work out your salvation in fear and trembling, but it doesn't say work for your salvation in fear and trembling. It says work out your salvation. So this morning I'm trying to give you a spiritual workout. All right, so everybody ready? Say down, set, hut. Let's go, let's get to workout. I need you to know as Christians, these spiritual exercises are non-negotiable. But I'm not trying to lay a, a, a load of law on you, all right? God warned me as I wrote this message and now as I preach it, don't you put them under a yoke of bondage once again. Don't you put them over under a bunch of laws. So I'm not giving you laws. You don't have to do these things. You get to do these things so that you can honor God and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm in grace, and now I'm growing in grace. I'm in Christ, and now I'm working out my salvation in fear and trembling. So you ready for the workout? Turn to the person on your left and say, bring it on. I'm ready for the workout. Now, this workout involves the four most important areas of your life. And I'm just going to give you four, not 24, not 54, not 94, not 659 like they have in the Old Testament. It's not law, folks, just four spiritual exercises that if you will do, you will go on to the greatest growth of your spiritual life. The greatest growth of your spiritual life. And these four areas involve the four essential parts of your life. They involve your time. They involve your relationships. They involve your money. And they involve your influence. The four most important areas of your life. Number one, spiritual exercise number one. Here's what I want to do. I want to do a daily time with God. I want to do a daily time with God. If you want to get out of the spiritual playpen and go now to growth, somebody say go. Go now to growth. You want a daily time with God. Oh, beloved First Baptist and her special guest, it is a personal daily time alone with God. It is a daily personal time alone with God, reading His Word and speaking to Him. In the Timothy passage that we read, Paul encouraged Timothy to be constantly nourished on the words of the faith. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, write that in your margin. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my truth, then you are truly disciples of mine. And this was the daily habit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Mark 1.35, the Bible says, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. 
It's a daily time to read the Bible and pray. Got it? Say got it. Good. Do it. Do it. Do you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Here's a truth for you. Write this down bold and quick and straight and true. You will never be deeper, bigger, taller, or better in the spiritual life than your time alone with God. You say you're spiritual. You say you're the head of so-and-so a committee. You say you're deep with God and you love God, are you? You're no taller, bigger, better, or deeper in the spiritual life than your time alone with God. Let me say it another way. You'll never be closer or more loving in your relationship with God than your quiet time will take you. You're not. You, you, you say you love God. Oh, I love, Pastor, let me tell you, I love God. I love God so much. I love God. How many of you say you love God? Well, you don't love anybody you don't know, and you don't know anybody you don't spend time with. Somebody say, uh-oh, a wide-mouthed frog just became a small-mouthed frog. Oh, 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 it's a circle of life relationships. It's a circle of life relationships, folks. You don't love, I'm talking about true love. You don't truly love somebody you don't know, and you don't know somebody you don't spend time with. Oh, I really love God. I, my wife is here, Miss Joni, my Joni Pie. Folks, she's my Joni Pie for 35 years. We met at Presbyterian College and she asked me to marry her and I said, yes, I will, yes. No, that's not the way it happened. I had to beg, beg, beg and she said, yes. What if I said to her, honey, I love you. And she said, what? I said, honey, I love you. <laughs> she said, what? I said, honey, I love you. She said, I'm tired of you too. And she said something like, well, why don't you ever spend time with me? I love Jesus Christ. You do? You do? You know, you can tell. You can tell. Look in your calendar. Look in your schedule. Then look in your pocketbook or your wallet or your checkbook. Oh, I love, I love, I love God. You don't love somebody you don't know, and you don't know somebody you don't spend time with. I want to suggest to you to start out. Now, you do it, you start to eat. Now, you start to eat spiritual food like the Bible. The Bible's different from, from natural food, folks. The more you eat, the less you want. But of the Bible, the more you eat, the more you want. So let me just suggest to you to start off right this in your margin. Just 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. Can you do that? 20 minutes a day? 20 minutes a day out of 24 hours? 24 hours times 60 minutes a day, 60 minutes an hour. How many minutes is that every day? 1,440. She's doing the math right there. There's 1,440 minutes in every day. Will you take 20 minutes? 20 minutes to know God better through his word and to speak to him 
to speak to him. You say, well, pastor, what do I do when I read the Bible? Ask three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And so what? <laughs> what does this mean that I'm reading here in John or Obadiah or Genesis or Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or Proverbs or Psalms or wherever I'm reading? What does it mean? What does it say? And what do I need to do about it? Just ask those three questions. And then pray. When you pray, what do you say? P-R-A-Y, pray. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. That's what you say, just like the Lord's Prayer teaches us. Praise. Tell him how great he is. Repent. Admit your sins to him. And turn from those sins in your heart. Just speak to him. Repent. Ask for yourself and others. And then yield the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 20 minutes. All right, number one. You do that one already? Just put your little check right there, okay? You're on the treadmill already. You're already on the treadmill. Good. You're getting spiritually fit. Put a check there. How many of you would say today, I will do it from today? Put a check right there. All right? Time, number one. How about team, number two? Team. Write down team. Uh, a regular team for God. See, I need a time with God. And then I need a team for God. Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you get together with a group of believers on regular occasions? Regularly, weekly, more than just big group worship, more than just coming to worship, do you get together with a couple of other believers in a smaller group of people for discipleship and accountability and stimulation to go on in your life, to grow in the spiritual life? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. Not Shebrews, Hebrews. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Listen carefully. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. Breathing life into one another. Why, folks? Because life is hard and we need some stimulation. We need some encouragement. And that comes from smaller group interaction. So get your life on another and let them get their life on you. One or two or three or four or eight or 12, a smaller group of people, big group, worship, small group. Encouragement and discipleship and growth. Do you have it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Because life is hard, folks. We need some encouragement. I heard about a student, University of Massachusetts, Massachusetts University, married student, living in married housing. He came in with his wife from dinner one night, went into the bathroom and sat down for some reading. <laughs> Before he sits down, he looks down into the bowl and he sees a roach, married housing, University of Massachusetts. He gets some very flammable bug spray and he coats the inside of his throne there. And then he sits down to read his newspaper. He sits down and lights up a cigarette. He blows himself off of his chair. He's laying there in the full bleeding. 
His wife punches in 911. The medics come, pick him up, put him on a stretcher, and as they're taking him out of the apartment room, they ask the wife what happened. She explains the accident, and they begin to laugh so they cannot help it. They start laughing so hard, they hit the stretcher and knock the guy off the stretcher. He falls off the stretcher and breaks his leg. They get him to the hospital, and by this time, a newspaper reporter catches up with the couple, and the newspaper reporter asks the man, Sir, how can you explain this? And the young married student said, It just seemed like God was trying to kill me, and he kept missing. How many of you sometimes feel like that about life? Listen, God's not trying to stomp you, okay? He's not trying to kill you, but he is trying to make you like his son, Jesus Christ. So he's using everything to do it, and he wants to give you some encouragement in the journey. He wants to give you some companionship, what the Bible, what Baptists call fellowship in the journey. So you can be strong and spiritually fit. Man, you need some encouragement and some stimulation and some fellowship, some bonding. That word fellowship, you know, is the Greek word koinonia. And you know what it means? Fellowship. It means two fellas in the same ship. <laughs> two fellas in the same ship. I mean, we're just fine. we're just all falling off the stretcher together. So I need you and you need me. Write this down. God's work is teamwork. I mean, God, God believes so much in community that he made himself a community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. A co-unity. A community. And that's the way you grow. In community. When are you going to stop being a lone ranger Christian? Well, as long as you are, you're going to stay in a spiritual baby pen. You hear what I'm saying? Turn the person on your right and say, you better wake up. Hear what this man's saying. Everybody got it. Say, got it. Good. Y'all sleep? I need to blow a whistle or something in here to get y'all on the line to run some more wind sprints. Come on, you need a team. You need a team. You've heard of the giant. Redwood trees in Northern California. Anybody ever seen one? Anybody ever visited North, uh, Northern, North Carolina? Northern California and seen those big sequoias, those big redwood trees? Yes, you have. You know how wide they are? They're wider than the big oak in Conway, folks. They're about 12 feet wide. 8 to 12 feet wide. You know how tall they are? Only about 400 feet. You know how long a football field is? Rocky is 300 yards. How many feet is that? 300. That's a football field. These are 400 feet high, and yet they have very shallow root systems. So how do they stand up when the winds of Northern California begin to grow, flow, begin to blow? How do they stand up in the wind where they're planted very close together and the root systems in those trees intertwine? They connect. They link up. So they support one another. Go it alone, and it's spiritual suicide. You're going down. You're going down. You're going dooby-doo down, down. You won't grow as a Christian. 
That's why you hadn't grown in 58 years as a believer in Christ. You've got to link up. You've got to link up like those football players do at the goal line when they come off the field and when they go on the field ready for the game, those Conway Tigers. Link up. So right now, let's practice First Baptist Church. I want you to link up with the people beside you. Just link your arms right now. Link up. Link up right there. Why are y'all looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate? Some of y'all are linking up. Now listen, that's what you got to do in this spiritual life because we is greater than me. God's work is teamwork. All right, we got time. We got team. I got to blow the whistle one more time. I got a, I got a daily time with God, exercise number one. I got a regular team for God. You got one? Put a check right there. Will you get one? Put a check right there if you will. All right, number three, very important. We got to deal with our money. Now, don't three quarters of you get up and walk out right now, all right? But number three, we got a weekly tithe for God. Not the preacher, not the church, not the chairman of the budget committee. I got a weekly tithe to God. To God. You want to grow. See, it's not rocket science, folks. You want to grow, be a giver. You want to be a grower, be a giver. You want to grow in your spiritual life like you've never grown before? Be a giver. Some of us don't grow. Some of us have never grown. We trusted Christ at 12, and we're about the same as we were now at 72. You know why? Because you're greedy and stingy. Because you don't give. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 the last book in the Old Testament says this, bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. Test me now in this. This is God talking, folks, and he's telling us to test him. I thought the Bible said, do not test the Lord your God. And yet God says right there, test me. Test me. I can hear my mama saying right now, don't you test me. God says, test me now in this says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for all of it. God says, test me. It is the only, listen, listen, it is the only time in the Bible where God says, you can test me. Did you know you can prove that God exists? Test me, God says. Now, some of you looking like that's, that's kind of too Old Testament for me. All right, well, let's try the New Testament. How about 1 Corinthians? That's New Testament, isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save. Oh, he's talking about my savings account. I knew that for a car or a boat of retirement. No, no, no. Watch this. 
as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. And then verse 3 says, and carry this gift to Jerusalem. See, he's not talking about a savings account. He's talking about a tithing account, a giving account. Oh, beloved, this just, this just gives, me, gives me spiritual goose flesh. It does. It's so thrilling. It's so exciting. God says, you can prove me. You can test me. Will you test me? Get on the line, God says, and test me. Tithe. Give. Be a giver. You'll be a grower. God says, you can see your heart grow. You're never more like God than when you give. Some of you ain't listening. You need to get what I just said. You're never more like God when you give. Some of you, you know John 3, 16, don't you? Let me look at you. Nod your head if you do. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he took. <laughs> no, say it out loud. No. All right, let's say it again. For God so loved the world that he kept <laughs> for himself. Say it again. No. That's ain't like a Baptist, not an Episcopalian. Come on. No. Now let's say it together. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave the best he had. Come on, 10%. That's too much. God gave the best he had. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now you're trying to buy the favor of God, but God says, test me. You cannot give God, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. How many of you do this? Don't say anything. Don't raise your hand. I'm just asking a rhetorical question. Some of you say, I wish you hadn't asked me that. Do you do this? Will you do it? Will you do it? Or will you stay in a spiritual baby pen? Will you do it? It's amazing, folks. Giving draws me closer to God. Now, you're looking at me like you don't believe that. Giving draws me closer to God. No, I'm not a Catholic priest. My, my collar's open, not buttoned. I'm not talking about an indulgence. I'm not talking about buying the grace of God. But giving draws you closer to God. Right in your margin, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And here's what Jesus said. Your heart will be wherever your treasure is. You know, you can find your heart. You know how you can find your heart? Where's my heart? Where's your heart? You know how you can find it? Look where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Martin, I see you nodding like this. It's true, isn't it? Martin, don't look down. Look up here at me. You can find your heart. Find your heart. Where is your treasure today? Is it in your car, your career, your boat, your retirement, your fur coat? That's where your heart is. Wherever you put your money reveals your values and what's important to you. 
Every time you give to God or someone else in God's name, it is an act of worship that draws me closer to Him because my, my heart goes where my money goes. Your heart goes where your treasure goes. And when your treasure goes into the kingdom, your heart is drawn closer to the king. Everybody got it? Say got it. Good. Well, then number four. I just heard somebody say, praise God. We're at number four. I'm at the end of this workout. I am so, <laughs> I'm tired. My time. Daily time with God. My team. Who is your team? A regular team for God. See, a team. Good, I got a team right here. A team. A tithe. A weekly tithe to God. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to finally, finally, finally in my life give something and be like God. And number four, my influence or my testimony. A consistent testimony about God. Listen, First Baptist and her special guest. Share your faith consistently. Witness. To witness means to give evidence of the living Lord. Do it by your character. Shine it. Do it by your contact. Stick it. Stick with the world and share contact with the world. Not like the world, but with the world. You're no good as salt if you stay in a salt shaker. You got to get out on the meat and communicate it. Communicate it. Now we're done. We're going to eat chicken. Listen to me, though. Listen to me. I shouldn't say that because you lose concentration. You start thinking about Popeyes. Listen, listen. Matthew 28 20. Remember the Great Commission? We talked about this last time. He was back. Matthew 28, 20, the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended. The last words he said. Last words are most important, folks. The last words Jesus spoke before he ascended, Matthew 28, 20. He said, go and make disciples. Jesus said, John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, you Christians, you disciples, so I send you. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Then in the last phrase, the last couple of words he spoke, he said this, and lo, I'm with you always. You guys remember that? Anybody remember that? I remember, yeah, it's me. I remember that. We like to quote that when we're lost. We like to quote that when we've got cancer. We like to quote that when we're broken. We like to quote that when we're broke. I am with you always. But folks, that promise was made in the midst of the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Now, it's true that God is ontologically with every experientially with every christian everywhere all the time but when do we feel the burn 
as athletes do in the weight room? When do we feel the power? When do we feel the strength of His presence? When were we most, most endued with His glory and His presence when we are going and making disciples? Because that's what Jesus said. There's the promise. Rocky, you know why the New Testament church of today doesn't experience more power? Because we don't make much disciples. We have business meetings and budgets and little holy huddles, little groups. You want to feel his power like never before? You want to feel the burn like, man, the air, I just feel it. I am growing now like, this was awesome. Share your faith. Share your faith. Go and make disciples. Now, do you? Do you? We're done. Do you? Do you shine his light as much as you can in the world? And when you get the chance to speak, do you try to speak for Jesus Christ and see other people come to him? If you do, put a check right there. Ain't got to worry about your growth. You put a check right there. How many of you would say this morning, John, I haven't, I don't, but I will. Put a check right there. How many of you wouldn't Vote for the second coming of Jesus if it was going to happen today. Some of them just won't vote for anything. Come on. Go to growth. How's God going to get this job of world redemption to take place? Here's how he's going to do it, through you and through me. God saved you on the way to somebody else. How's he get to them? Through you. Time. Team. Tithe testimony. Growth, folks, is as simple as that. It really is. This is a message I share with all the athletes and coaches that I see come to faith in Jesus Christ. The next day after they received Christ, I began to go with them through time, team, tithe, and testimony. That's how you grow as a Christian. It ain't 600 things to do, and this ain't a load of law. It's something I get to do, not something I have to do. Keys to spiritual fitness. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's have a holy moment with God. What have you been doing? Praise God for it. Now you can only do it by the grace of God, so thank Him for it. You ain't doing it to be holy. What have you left out? Is there resistance in your heart today? Would you say, John, you, you know, you touch on some things that are very important, and some of these things I've been hearing for 62 years. But I won't do it. Would you admit that's resistance? Resistance. The Bible says don't grieve the Spirit of God. How many would say in your hearts today, Jesus, today, because you saved me, not because I want to be set free, but because I am set free, and I know you, Jesus, I want to honor you, and I want to grow in you, and I will exercise 
in these key areas and name it to him. Go ahead and name it to him today. August 25th, 2019, in his holy moment at the First Baptist Church, I made a commitment to read my Bible tomorrow, get in a small group, tithe next week, share a good word about Jesus Christ. I will do that. And Lord, I pray it would be done in our hearts that our lives would be different, that our homes will be different, that our schools will be different, that our town would be different, that our church would be different. Because I am different and I am growing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, thanks for